How do you stop from falling out of a bird of prey? You just have to cling on. Shut up, Wesley. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty bad. That's the first thing I found. I typed in Star Trek jokes. It took me to the StarTrek.com website. And it took me to someone's joke that they came up on came, came up with on Twitter. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, wasn't yeah. That's not my joke. Welcome back to the Final Frontier podcast. Today with me, I've got Steve Atwell. Hi, Steve. Howdy. How are you today? So far, so good. The morning's still young, though. <laughs> And usually with me is is Bill Allen, but Bill Allen is currently unavailable. Well, it's his loss. It's his loss. All right. Well, usually we uh, we start out with a weekly roundup of news. Do you have any news for Star Trek? Um, nothing that I can share in mixed company. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I. I, I did not do my homework, and I did not research the news, so I um, that's my failing of the day. All I know is um, Voyager or Discovery, it's all on hiatus right now, and uh, Discovery is going to start up again in January, mm-hmm. and we have no real idea of what's going to happen then. Stay tuned. <laughs> do you have any predictions? I have speculations. I speculate that... Uh, Gosh, the guy that uh, got off the Klingon ship uh, with the captain. Uh, Lieutenant Ash Tyler. Ash Tyler. My speculation is that he's really a Klingon in disguise. Mm-hmm. Perhaps even the um, um, albino Klingon that we had seen in as the torchbearer mm-hmm. in Volk. previous episodes. Yeah. And uh, that's a speculation of mine. We'll have to wait and see if it turns out to be true. Mm-hmm. I also wouldn't be surprised if he turns out to be the same um, albino that was seen in the uh, Deep Space Nine episode, um, Blood Oath. I had a, a similar suspicion. I I don't know if it will get that awesome, but if they did that, it would be really cool. Yeah. So... Sorry to interrupt you. I see that Bill is now online. Hello, can you hear me now? Oh, hi, Bill. Yeah, sorry about that. My uh, computer went into a coma this morning. Uh-oh. We've got Steve here with us. Greetings, fellow traveler. Hello, hello. Good morning. So we were just saying how uh, we, we suspect Lieutenant Ash Tyler as being uh, the Klingon Vulk. Yes, and possibly the albino that was seen in the Deep Space Nine episode, Blood Oath. I like the idea of the albino being Vogue, because that makes sense. I'm still not convinced. It's like part of me is worried that the fans are too smart for this show. 
we keep yeah. out guessing their thing, but part of me is thinking that maybe we're overthinking it, and Ash is really just going to be Ash, but he's been brainwashed by Voke, and we don't know what Voke is up to. Hmm. That would be interesting. Hmm. Interesting twist. Yeah. It still doesn't, uh, doesn't explain how it's pr- most likely the same actor. <laughs> I chalked that up to IMDB making a mistake because they said Mud was listed in uh, like nine episodes. Well, in in defense of, of that website, anyone can edit that and make that up. So it's not yeah. necessarily the website staff. It could be just some random person. <clears throat> well, Man, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if Mud comes back in the second half. A few more times. I thought I read somewhere. I I thought I read that he was contracted for three episodes in the first Mm -hmm. season, and we've only seen him twice, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, well, the IMDb, though, like, initially it listed him as being in seven or eight of the episodes. Oh, wow. But I, I think what's happening is, however they calculate it, when they do the. 90 seconds of previously on Discovery, if if they use footage featuring Harry Mudd, that counts as him being in the episode. I think that's what they're doing. Hmm. <laughs> but I'm not sure. I'm well, still anxious because in the uh, rollout for the program, I remember, um, I think it was uh, Brian Fuller, someone had posted intriguing pics of what looked like um, all new redesigned Andorian antenna in the works mm-hmm. and all we've seen so far is the Andorian armor or spacesuit. so I'm curious to see if they're actually going to follow through and bring Andorians back into it well they recently tweeted that um, confirming that they'll do Andorians and Tellarites for season 2 yay that'd be cool to see Okay. Well, shall we move on to the uh, the question of the week? Oh, sure. And do you have your question prepared, Steve? I have a question for you guys. I wanted to get to it. Sure. Seeing as how I am an actor and improviser from the greater Kansas City area, my question to you is, how many times has Kansas City been referenced in Star Trek and in what episodes? Oh man. That that is really difficult. <laughs> well, oh. we'll we'll think about it and we'll come back to it. Okay. Do you have do you have any comments, Bill? Um only that my answer is going to be a wild guess. Mhm. <laughs> no, I'm going to say 3 times and it was always Deep Space 9 whenever they were talking baseball. And the career of Buck Bokai. That's a good guess. But I, I have no idea which specific episodes, and if it was even three times, it's all just... <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll find out later. Yes, we'll find out later. But that's So, let's move on to the, uh, the interview, Steve. How did you get into Star Trek? Well, um, let me tell you. Um, a couple of days ago, I just celebrated my 50th birthday. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday. Okay. Thank you. Uh, and if you think about it, um, 
50 years ago, uh, late November 1967, was right smack dab in the middle of the original run of the original series. And I was born during the same week that they aired the episode Friday's Child, if you remember that one. Mm-hmm. Most of my parents were Trekkies, and uh, I grew up uh, here in Kansas City area. It was on, like, every single day. Um, I think it was even on the weekends. My parents were divorced when I was five. Um, I remember watching it with my brothers and one of the other of my parents, either at mom's or dad's, throughout the 70s, throughout the 80s, into the 90s. Um, and it was just always there. My actual exposure, though, as I recall, was with the animated series before I started watching. And that was that was a great thing back then. The um, afternoon lineup, okay, for kids getting home from school, get this. From 2 to 3 o'clock in the afternoon is Batman. Then from 3 to 4 was Lost in Space. And from 4 to 5 was Star Trek. <laughs> I mean, it's a cornucopia right there of... Of, of just plain good fun, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's how I got into it, was just watching it every day. Um, and I didn't realize that I was really getting into it until um, sometime in the late... Uh, well, no, it just a few years ago that I realized I was... Well, when I was in college, let's say, early 90s, when I was in college... And I realized that I was picking up um, the books and the reference materials and all this behind-the-scenes um, uh, stuff that uh, nobody else in my in my uh, group was uh, was uh, delving into. Before we get too much farther, I just want to say thank you to you for um, beaming me in and managing to get all of my molecules back into place as you did, so. Well, you haven't been beamed out yet, so. <laughs> well, so what's your favorite fan production and why? Um, um, the um, Exeter, Starship Exeter. Okay. It was just a few years ago, um, there was a movie came out called Star Trek Into Darkness. You might have heard of it. Mm-hmm. And I was... I did not enjoy it. I felt... <laughs> I felt insulted by that movie. Um, I felt that they were just mocking fans and mocking Star Trek history that had already been out there. And so I started casting about and thinking, well, okay, there's a lot of hubris involved in somebody saying, I can be Captain Kirk, whether it's you know, the uh, uh, Chris Pine or whatever. And I said, well, okay, let's see if there are any other um, examples of... I knew I knew about the fan films, but I hadn't watched any at that point. And I said, well, if I can sit and watch Chris Pine pretend to be Captain Kirk, then I can sit and watch Jim Colley or um, Dick Minonia try to be Captain Kirk and give those a shot. So I started watching the fan films, and I discovered... Um, Starship Exeter and the great thing about that it looked like between the first of the productions because they for the most part I'm not saying all fans films but what you get is a couple guys with a camera who 
That's my end. Sorry. Well, that one of the cats might co- come over and say hi. I started watching, and I noticed with the Starship Exeter that at some point between the uh, the first episode that they did and the second episode, it looked like everybody had gone to uh, acting class and figured out how to actually, you know, look good on camera and look like they knew what they were doing, mm-hmm. which was something that I, you know, that, that really impressed me. And it, it was, I found I was really watching it and really paying attention and getting into it and um, really wanting to, you know, I was forgetting about what was going on around me. It's like, oh, I'm actually watching this thing and not just sitting through it, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, I'm not naming names, but there are some fan productions out there where it's like, okay, I'll watch it, but I don't expect to enjoy it. And no, it's 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 just, yeah. What what Star Trek fan productions have you been a part of? So far, and um, uh, well, okay, so far I appeared in. Uh, I'll give you another story. Okay. I'm a storyteller. Um, last year, uh, in out in Topeka, Kansas, they had um, their annual comic book convention, and they were advertising as a special deal. They're going to have. Um, a recreation of the bridge of the Starship Enterprise on display. And I said, hey, why not go and get pictures taken? So I went and I met the, the, the uh, deal was being run by a fellow named um, Vance Major, mm-hmm. whom you're familiar with. And I was in my Klingon costume, the homemade outfit that my dear friend Cindy made for me. And um, he liked my look. And we got to talking about fan films and everything. And he told me that um, if I was interested, if I wanted to, if I had at any point, you know, an opportunity to come down to um, um, Oklahoma at that time, that he would definitely want to put me in one of his fan films. And I said, well, I'll see what I can do. And then he got a hold of me um, this spring and said, are you still interested in doing stuff? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, well, here's a couple of scripts. Um, wear your costume, just film it at home, and we'll put you in. And I said, sounds great. So he put me in um, one film's called Menard Around the World and Forever. Mm-hmm. And he has, I have filmed for him, and I think it's okay to mention because he's mentioned online that he's releasing the next film that I'm in is called um, Rise of the Tribbles mm-hmm. and he also sent me another couple of scripts uh, one of which has been put on hold because uh, of things that have been happening with uh, Starbase which I'm yeah, it's a big mess. Mm-hmm. I, you guys, I've listened to your show. I know you know what's going on behind the scenes at Starbase and what happened. And um, I'm sad to note that whatever's happening is happening, and that not only are all the productions that were there lined up, definitely we're going to start filming soon, had to be put on hold, but that, you know, 
somebody might look online and say, oh, there's a studio not near, not too far from where I'm at. Maybe I can get in the queue and go down and start making a fan film with them also. No, you can't now. They're temporarily for, you know, in, indefinitely out of commission. And, I'm, you know, I mean, since... Um, since the whole Axonar thing and the uh, fan film guidelines and since um, Kali um, converted his studio into being a museum and since um, Star Trek Continues has finished production at their studio really the, with the shutdown of um, of uh, Starbase, there's nobody, there's no place right now for the fans who want to be making their own movies to be doing them. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of getting to me. But that's not answering the question. Um, but he sent me uh, a couple of scripts, one of which he said we're going to put on hold. Um, and he'd asked me if I would... Um, uh, sent him some ideas for scripts and we we're talking about writing something together. All that's on hold now. Otherwise, I'm working on a, a voice, doing voice work for a production called um, A Call to Unity. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What can you tell us about, about that? I can tell you that um, it's fun recording, and it's interesting. It's fun to see where this is going, but I can tell you that um, I'm enjoying working on A Call to Unity, and I think it's going to be uh, interesting and uh, uh, entertaining that the the fans out there who will tune in to listen. And what's the character that you play? I'm playing Crowrath Klingon. Which is uh, adapted from a um, character I had created uh, on my own. Mm-hmm. Which uh, in this piece, uh, Crowrath is uh, an old man near the end of his life, and he's working. Hello, kitty. Oh, that was a he's cat. <laughs> yeah, uh, Crowrath is working. Um, uh, with the house of Kur. Uh, how did and, you come up with your with your character? Well, like um, back in the days when I thought I'd be a writer um, and would scribble out stuff, most everything turns out to be a variation on myself. Unless I'm, you know, I, I mean, if I'm playing as a protagonist, it's, so like family history and interrelationships and some of the attitude is just a reflection of what I've gotten myself. Um, Crowrath is the son of Kenro. Um, he's a commoner from, I was saying, the uh, Kensha Midlands, which is a play off of Kansas. Hmm. Um, <laughs> um, Kensha Midlands is not part of the official um, canon. Uh, there is an area on what is official canon for for uh, Kronos, which I could very easily say he's from there instead. 
but at the moment I don't have that at my fingertips to tell you what it is. I'm not walking across the room to grab a book. Um, But it's, uh, Peyton Ward talks about it in his uh, wonderful tome, The uh, Universe Guide to Kronos and the Klingon Empire. Uh, Krorath uh, was named in honor of two of my favorite musicians, well, members of the band, Ario Speedwagon, um, Kevin Cronin and Gary Richrath, who were the lead singer and uh, guitarist for that group. And Crow Rath's son of Kenro. Kenro's name for my dad, who was Kenny. Uh, his stage name was Kenny uh, Royal. His real name is Norm Atwell. But right. when he would take the stage with his horn, he would play as uh, uh, Kenny Royal. So I figured, well, let's just uh, shorten that a bit and make it more Klingon, and there you go. Hmm. Um, Kenro, well, uh, Crow Rath. Uh, is a commoner who does not come from a noble family like Alexander Rozhenko. All um, honor that he has gained, he's done on his own and he's established his own house and has managed to become a Bihar master and has worked his way up the ranks in the fiction so far. Mm-hmm. Also entered into the um, TAG, the Klingon assault group, the International uh, Fan Club. With the character name of Prorath, and so far he's uh, only a lieutenant, but I'm working on uh, trying to get him um, higher up. What do you do to to get higher up in the ranks there? You just show up at meetings and to uh, uh, other events that CAG is uh, agreed to be a part of. Like we, there's an annual adults only. Um, sci-fi convention that takes place here in town um, every uh, October and uh, I was and the Klingons were hired to be um, active security excuse me for that so I went to that otherwise we're going to be marching in a Christmas pageant parade that they're holding in the small town of Ottawa, Kansas here in the next weekend What's the highest rank you can achieve? Uh, Thought Admiral. The uh, rankings and hierarchy and everything in the uh, tag are based upon the writings of a madman. No, no. Um, (laughs) There was a fellow named um, John M. Ford who was an author who back in the mid-90s excuse me, been in mid-80s, wrote a book called The Final Reflection, which is widely regarded as the um, blueprint, which, well, it is technically the blueprint for everything that's come after that with the Klingons. It came out right about the same time as Star Trek Three, and it introduced, you know, all the concepts of honor and of the houses and um, the High Council and the Black Fleet and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and run... Andy Moore, the uh, uh, writer, at you know for the series, was greatly inspired, and he has listed it as having been an inspiration for what he brought into Star Trek when he started writing for the show. And Hilary J. Bader used it uh, as a basis when she wrote the uh, uh, script for the video game um, Star Trek Klingon, which came out in the late. 
90s, which is available at YouTube for viewing as like a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the ideas that were in that non-canon um, production were adapted into canon later episodes of DS9 and Voyager. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the basic of, like I say, CAG as well as, well, you know, for, uh, for Klingon fandom as it goes. Mm-hmm. That's some uh, some good uh, sounds like good required reading for any fan of, of Klingons. Yeah. The final yeah. reflection. Okay. And the CAG uh, uh, has its own official podcast um, called the CAG Podcast, and they have a book series where they review books. And this last week they reviewed the final reflection for um, that series. Very cool. And. You can find that wherever your finest um, podcasts are found. So what connection does your hometown of Kansas City have to Star Trek? Okay. Um, I am, as I mentioned, a Kansas City Klingon, but I'm not the first. The first actor, um, well, celebrity type, to appear as a Klingon actually in Star Trek happened in the episode called Errand of Mercy, which is the very first time that Klingons are ever seen on the show. Mm-hmm. And a from KC named Basil Paladoris, who had gone to um, L.A. to try to make his fame and fortune in the movies. He was a musician. He was a you know, music maker. Uh, needing money, he went to, um, ended up being put into a costume and said, okay, you're a Klingon in this episode of Star Trek. Hmm. And so he's walking around with a, a cast and, well, with with the company of Klingons. But he did make his, um, he did finally start making a living for himself as a film composer. And he did music for movies like The Blue Lagoon, Barbarian, mm-hmm. uh, um, Red Dawn, um, Iron Eagle, Robocop, Cherry 2000. Uh, there's like a huge long list of Basil Paladoris um, film credits uh, for film and television, and he even won an Emmy Award for something he did for TV, um, which I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, it's a long, proud tradition. <clears throat> and on the uh, episode of the original series called A Unification, mm-hmm. When, uh, as you recall, Picard and uh, Data take a trip on a Klingon ship. Um, the captain of that ship was played by the actor Stephen Root, yep. best known for maybe Office Space or uh-huh. for, on different. And he is um, from Kansas City. Huh. He says that he was like his dad moved around because of work as a kid but spent the most time of his youth in KC, um, and he graduated from a local Ruskin High School, and uh, he does consider this to be a hometown. So that's a couple of connections. And then, like I say, Dayton Ward and um, uh, Kevin Dilmore, the mm-hmm. writers of the Star Trek books, are both from the area. Dayton uh, lives, uh, from what I understand, in my hometown, actually, the suburb of Lee Summit, Missouri, 
which, interestingly, shockingly, surprisingly enough, Lead Summit has its own mention at uh, Memory Alpha, the official Star Trek wiki, because in the episode Sitting on the Edge of Forever, the prop newspaper that they used with the story about Edith Killer, Killer getting hit by the car, on that same page is a story with a headline from uh, Lee Summit, Missouri. So I came across that at Memory Alpha, and I said, what, 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 what? Fell off my seat and <laughs> stopped jumping around for a while, like, hey, my hometown, not like KC, but my hometown, it's here. I can put that as my hometown on Facebook and have a Star Trek connection and be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, there are a number of um, writers, or uh, there's a, an artist named... Um, um, Steve Vidal, who uh, is a comic book artist, and he ha- he was the first fellow I came across who has his own uh, entry at uh, Memory Alpha because he did um, covers for some of the Star Trek comics. So that's scratching the surface, but that's some pretty cool stuff that I've come across about Kansas City. I was wanting to mention that Whereas I am currently doing, um, like I say, these couple of productions right now with uh, the Crow Wrath character, mm-hmm. uh, I am an actor and an improviser, and I've been doing stage work off and on for the last 30-some-odd years with local um, community theater and improv and have been doing voice work, and I can do a variety of, um, uh, like, uh, accents and dialects and stuff and uh, so really if anybody out there is looking to hire a voice person or someone with a look um, please give me a job <laughs> <laughs> well let's hear some of your uh, your voice impressions for Star oh. Trek oh my well I did, um, uh, I did play uh, George Takei in a uh, stage show a couple of years ago and I had the opportunity to meet him uh, last year when he came to town with one of the various um, conventions we have, and he was very impressed. Um, otherwise, uh, let me if I take a moment to work at it, I can get Patrick Stewart. Of course, number one. Um, but I don't know what to say. <laughs> away. Um, Say Earl, Earl Grey. Uh, T. Earl Grey. Earl Grey. <laughs> Say, um, there are four lights. There are four lights! <laughs> you just, pretty you, much it? Yeah, you just won yourself an Emmy. <clears throat> or an Oscar, whatever it is. Or whatever. <laughs> A Teen Choice Award. Oh, wow. I'd like to thank the Academy for this award and all the little people who helped me earn it. How about a quick, uh, shut up, Wesley? Shut up, Wesley. Shut up, Wesley! Since that's Uh, probably the closest thing we have to a catchphrase, it figures you gotta give it a shot, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, my co-star from X-Men, Ian McKellen, presided over my last wedding. He did. He did. Not that there's anything cool about that. 
<laughs> they're, they're, it's so cute. They're best friends in real life. Playing at Star Trek uh, in a fan production or whatever, getting paid for it is awesome, which I have not done. But just doing it is a blast and a half. And I'm looking for any opportunity that anyone might, you know, oh, hey, this guy sounds like he might be something. Mm-hmm. Uh, please, yes. Uh, I'm versatile and I can do, and I I have a set of Vulcan ears. And even though I look more like um, Nero, um, I can be highly logical. Do you have any follow-up questions, Bill? Maybe cat. for the cat, the cat that keeps meowing, or the dog no. that keeps barking? As, uh, man, I got lost in this one. I was just sitting there listening to him tell his stories, and it's like, I don't need to ask any questions. He knows what's going on. <laughs> Are you ready for the lightning round? Yes. All righty. We're going to go with a nice traditional start for a couple of these. Who's your favorite, Kirk or Picard? Cisco. There's always one squirrel in a bunch, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Is that allowed? Yes, yes. It's the lightning round. It's it's answer however you please. You think Kansas City has a chance against uh, Buck Bokai and the Gotham City Bats this year? Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, they got the pretty good hitting, but you know, we we got you know we got some stuff going on. We got the pitching. You know, we got the play. We got you know we got everybody on the field. You know, so. I think that maybe we got a shot, but, you know, I think maybe we're going to have to wait and see. But, yeah, I think this year we'll go all the way. <laughs> all right, since you did the celebrity voice impersonations, um, which, which was your favorite, uh, Data pulling a fast one on the crew or Wesley getting drunk and using his voice box to pull a fast one on the crew? Um, I was more impressed... I wasn't. Um, well, I, that's a good question. That's that's something ponderable for the ages. Um, Ten seconds. They have the technology today to pull off the Wesley thing. Uh, I've seen it. I, I used to have a box where you would talk into it, and James Earl Jones' voice would come out as Darth Vader. So I know that I'm not impressed by the Wesley thing at this point in time. But it uh, it presented perhaps more challenges, perhaps. So I'm going to say, um, shut up, Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is just giving me so many opportunities to insert that sound bite. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, Wesley. We may have to save the clip of uh, of, of uh, Steve saying "shut up, Wesley" and use that a time or two as well. <laughs> there we go. So. Classic era. Which starship would you like to be command of of all the doomed ships we've seen from the original series? Maybe the Defiant, if I had prior knowledge to what was going to be going on and uh, could survive into the mirror universe. Well, you know, we never saw any of the crew of the Defiant. They could have still been alive. They just had their ship stolen. Shall we move on to the... uh... The question of the week? Yes, I want to hear the answer to the question of the week. Oh, my question? Yeah. Your question. Okay. So, for those uh, who are tuning in late and or maybe forgot from the beginning, the question was, 
Um, how many times was my hometown of Kansas City referenced in uh, all of Star Trek? I'm going to say... I'm going to say three times, and it was all Deep Space Nine, just like Bill said earlier. <laughs> oh, wait, oh, wait, 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 wait. One of them is, is from the city on the edge of forever, because that's what Steve said. So we know that. We've got that. Okay. So, well, I don't know if that counts, though, because that was just a newspaper headline. They didn't mention it, mention it. But Steve's being tricky. Steve's being tricky. He is so being you know tricky. what? He I is. bet that's the one and only time. Um, pretty. No, I don't, I'm, I'm going to stick with there being at least one more in Deep Space Nine at some point when they were talking baseball because Kansas City has a baseball team. Oh, and the time travel episode where uh, <laughs> the one where Cisco, this one where Cisco is Gabriel Bell. That's the one oh. where they mention Kansas City. I'm pretty sure. The, uh, when they're all like in the hostage situation and, and the guards. Yeah, the, the Bell riots. Yeah, the guards are talking football, and Cisco's like, I'm more of a baseball guy myself. What's the name of the episode? I don't remember. Well, past tense. Past tense. Oh. It's Gabriel Bell episode. Everybody remembers that. You say so, the Gabriel Bell episode, they know what you're talking about. You know about. what? You might be right, because Steve knew right away. Yeah, but Steve is a regular contributor to Wikipedia, to uh, Memory Alpha. Oh, very cool. See, I go to Memory Alpha, like, every day. Yeah, I probably should go to Memory Alpha every day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, here I am on the show. I'm going to tell you all about Star Trek, and I really don't know anything. <laughs> you know, Worf is the one with the ears, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, Steve, what's the answer? Final answer is, it was referenced three times in all Star Trek. All three times on the next generation. Oh. And pretty much dismissively each time. The first time was on the episode 11001001, when Riker is going to go into the holodeck and meet Minuet. He stops outside and says, okay, computer, give me a jazz club. Make it like Kansas City in the 1940s. No, go ahead and make it New Orleans instead. (laughs) And... The second time was in the episode, um, The Neutral Zone, when LQ Sonny Clemens has come out of the deep freeze and steps up to the computer to order some food and says, Computer, I want a Kansas City ribeye steak, and no, just give me a uh, martini instead. (laughs) And the third time was on A Fistful of Datas when... uh, Worf went into the uh, bar, the saloon, and asked for uh, Klingon blood wine. And Miss Annie said something like, "We ain't, this ain't Kansas City. We ain't got no fancy fire water here. Mm-hmm. And if I look it up on memory, I could give you the exact quotes. It wasn't the the first two episodes that you um, you mentioned. I think those are both in season one of TNG, right? Yeah. Neutral Zone, wait, was that season two? Neutral Zone was the last episode of season one. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, and that's where we first get um, what year TNG is set in. And uh, the one zero one 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 zero zero that was season two because Riker had the beard. 
Uh, no, it was season one. It was season one. Oh, was it? Here. Oh, yeah, it's episode 15, season one. Huh, I could have sworn he had a a beard. Nope. Nope. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> man, I think what it is is I'm just having a little cognitive dissonance because beardless Riker was never smooth or suave. So <laughs> he's in the holodeck being smooth and suave. He must have a beard. That That's just how the universe works. <laughs> No, I'm pretty sure there was probably a deleted scene in which Minnie White said, you know, you really should shit, you really should grow out the beard. That would explain. <laughs> I, I, I bet you it's like that was, that was, Minuet was his Abe Lincoln moment. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, that, that's, that's my own thing. It's like, nobody likes Riker, everybody likes Riker's beard. That's how the universe works. <laughs> right, Star Trek is... Uh, been a major part of my life for as long as I can remember and um, uh, I think uh, uh, it's a good thing to have it mm-hmm. I agree and I'm glad to, to be a part of it even if it is tangentially <laughs> and please give me a job <laughs> <laughs> That's all the time we have for today. Thank you very much to the great and fearless Steve Atwell, Krorath, son of Ken Kentar? Ken Rowe. I do want to say that if anybody is interested in whatever, I can be found at Facebook. I have a, a page for um, Krorath the Klingon, and I... Um, do you accept friend requests if we have mutual friends and you look like you're cool? So, yes, yes, definitely check out Steve Atwell's pages, Korath, son of Kenro, and uh, check him out in the various fan films that have been mentioned here today and in the upcoming project, Call to Unity. And that's our show, folks. This has been the Final Frontier Podcast. Thank you very much to Adam Mullen for running things. The guy providing all the dead weight this episode was Bill Allen. Like and follow us on Facebook. Uh, check us out in the iTunes store and on YouTube. And if you if you go to iTunes and you like this program and leave comments, it'll get more people to notice it and get turn up the volume and, and get out the word. And if one person listens to this show, well, they're kind of funny. And if two people listen to this show, well, you know, I think they must be sweet on each other. But if ten people listen to this show, well then, brother, you got yourself a movement. <laughs> <laughs>